0: What up? What up? What up? Welcome back to the Bibliotakes podcast. Your hosts Paul and Cody are at it again with another episode on
1: the Outsiders. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, man. But I'm not gonna lie, little remorseful. Feel like there's something we got to get off our chest. You're so right. And thanks to
0: our devoted viewers, or devoted listeners, I should say, something kind of just came across to us after posting our last recording. And what we made the mistake of doing last week was referring to the author of this wonderful book, The Outsiders, as a man. And we were told very politely by one of uh, those devoted listeners, that S.E. Hinton is in fact a woman.
1: Yeah, um, no excuses (laughs) on our end. Huge accountability hour here. Um, Our bad. Big time, our bad.
0: Yeah, so I mean, this is what the email is for. Send it your issues, your qualms with anything we say, especially if we do something as bad as getting... (laughs) The author's gender fucked up.
1: That's on us. Just a couple dummies who referred to S.E. Hinton as a man when she is famously a woman. Famously.
0: Yeah. So um, won't happen again. I swear to God. And I guess that could just get us right into the kind of the meat of what we're doing today. Like I said a couple of times, we're reading The Outsiders by the wonderful woman known as S.E. Hinton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are continuing on the story today with chapters five, six, seven and eight. And last week we left off with our main character, Ponyboy, and the member of the greaser gang that he's in, uh, Johnny, murdering a boy of the opposing gang, the rich kid gang from across town and fleeing town. And we kind of pick back up with them this week in Chapter 5, where they left off in this abandoned church out in the middle of the countryside.
1: That's right. Ponyboy wakes up. He's alone. Johnny's left a note to say that he's going to go get supplies. Uh, remember they were given uh, money and a gun by another gang member, Dally, who they, uh, in their moment of crisis, uh, fled to because Dally is Uh, from New York, he's done real gangster stuff out there. And so he's kind of the most wild man. He was the only guy they could really trust with their fleeing of a murder scene. And he gives them some money for groceries and says, Hey, when the coast is clear, I'll be able to come and uh, join you in this spot out of town. Just got to get out of there. So Johnny goes to get some groceries. Um, when he gets back, he comes back with, uh, some bologna and bread for sandwiches, a copy of gone with the wind. Um, Which is surprising to Ponyboy because Johnny doesn't read, but uh, he says that Ponyboy could read to him to pass the time. Pretty sweet. But also a reminder that uh, it's the 1960s and there is nothing to do ever. A lot of our period pieces is people finding ways to, you know, spend their time. And at least in the 60s, these guys get to go see the movies when they're not on the lam for murder. But, you know, no TVs for them right now. They're in an abandoned church. But he also comes back with some hydrogen peroxide because, look, they have to bleach each other's hair or at least um, Pony Boy's because they probably have descriptions of them in the papers because, again, they're wanted for murder. Pony Boy is super unhappy about this because he talks about how hair is something that it's one thing that the greasers can control in their lives. It's like a status symbol for them where the other times all other parts about them do not allow them to show status. Um, when you're a greaser, you have long, like that slick back, James Dean look of like really cool, and in their words, tough hair. And Ponyboy famously has really great hair, so he's very unhappy about having to cut this. And as someone who has at one point in their life had long hair, you do get attached to it. <laughs> uh, I don't think mine was ever as long as Ponyboy's is here, but I can definitely empathize with him. Uh, but eventually, you know, Johnny's point of, Uh, yes, but we're wanted for murder kind of sinks in and he relents and cuts his hair and bleaches it. Uh, Johnny doesn't bleach his, but he does cut his too. So the boys are all suffering here. And, you know, the first day kind of ends with them like eating and smoking cigarettes and kind of having a little bit of a panic attack, realizing how deep they are into this situation. I mean, they're on the run for murder and they're one day in and they've just freaked out.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I thought was... I mean, it's so realistic, like it makes complete sense. But I also thought it was kind of funny. was like at one point, Ponyboy is having like this panic attack and kind of crying and talking about how crazy it is that just the night before they were talking to these two social girls and everything was going great. And he and Johnny were stargazing together and Johnny just kind of freaks out at him because he's like, hey, let's not let's stop talking about last night. That was also the night that I killed a guy. Like, can we not? Can we not revisit that point in my life? That'd be awesome. But yeah, I uh, I also thought that the choice of Gone with the Wind was um, an interesting choice of book. Probably good because this book is an absolute mammoth. And if these guys need to kill a bunch of time, you picked a good one because it's like. Legit, a isn't, thousand pages.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't that book like four digits pages long?
0: Yeah, it's so in most copies. It's so long, but it also brings up the fact that as Ponyboy is reading this book to Johnny, it brings up that Johnny is also a deep thinker in kind of a similar way as Ponyboy is because. Johnny's never been very successful in school for understandable reasons. I mean, his home life is absolutely, it's just a nightmare. And so, like, you can understand why he isn't good at school. But when he's listening to this book, he keeps going back to, like, the fact that, you know, he's really impressed by the Southern gentleman portrayed in Gone with the Wind. You know, we don't need to get into all the problematic stuff in Gone with the Wind, but he's impressed with their gallantry and riding off to battle in the Civil War. And it's like he compares these guys to Dally, interestingly enough. And Pony Boy's kind of response to that is like, I've never seen that in Dally. And Dally is so real. He scares me. Unlike the heroes in my life, like Soda Pop. Who is
1: embodies more of that kind of like fictional hero? Exactly. And that's how they kind of get through the first couple of days reading. Pony Boy is just getting his absolute ass handed to him in poker by Johnny. <laughs> yeah. And then one morning, Pony Boy kind of wakes up early to watch the sunrise and Johnny ends up joining him. And it's supposed to be really beautiful. You know, they can't watch the sunsets because this uh, church that they're on is kind of on a cliff by the edge of a road. Um, and it looks east, but that means you get to watch the sunrise. And Pony Boy recites a poem where the kind of moral is that nothing gold can uh, stay in nature. It really resonates with Johnny. Again, a really a much deeper thinker than either his teachers or society at large ever gave him the chance to give him credit for. But just a really sweet guy. And Pony Boy knows that he's, he's really the kind of the only person in the whole Greaser gang that he could kind of be sensitive with and try at least attempt to be deep with and at least have Johnny, even if he doesn't like get something or uh, he has to explain something and gone with the wind to him, at least he's like really trying to think about it.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, it makes sense when you think about who the rest of the guys are, because they're either too, you know, quote unquote tough for things like sunrises. They don't have the attention span like soda pop, like soda pops, probably, you know, sensitive enough and like, you know, soft enough. You know, you, you get what I'm saying to like enjoy that. But he also just doesn't give a fuck. And then there's people like Derry who are like I've got bigger problems on my plate right now than like I, I just don't have the time to watch a sunrise or sunset.
1: Exactly. But as they're getting to the peak of their boredom, that's when Dally shows up. So we're like five or six days past when they uh, the night of um, when um, they uh, got jumped by those socials. Um, he brings a note from Soda Pop and uh, saying that Soda Pop went over to Dally's house and found Pony Boy's sweatshirt that was um, soaked from the fountain. And it's like, I know you know where he is. And Dally is being a good friend and played dumb and even told the cops that they skipped town to Texas, which is, you know, I mean, find a friend that's going to just lie to the cops Dude. when you're out on the land for murder like Dally. And again, he like Pony boy he said that like they weren't even that good of friends but he's good enough like he's a big enough protector of Johnny that he was like just willing to just send the cops on a wild goose chase
0: further evidence that Dally was 100% the right guy to go to like oh absolutely <laughs> he's taking this to his grave 100%
1: and uh and the note from Soda Pop is really sweet basically about you know we miss you hope you're safe can't believe what happened we lost our minds when you ran out Dairy didn't mean to hit you. He's really, really sorry. He never meant it like that. And even Dally is like, hey, man, Dairy's really beat up about this. Like the fact that it's gotten to the point where Dally has to like bring up emotions in other people it means it must be going pretty crazy. It must be driving him crazy. When he's there, he's also like, all right, you boys, my favorite little criminals who want some Dairy Queen. Like he's, like I say, the most like actual brotherly or like paternal instinct Dally has ever shown that we can know of is like when his two like teenage friends have legit killed a guy and are now just on the lamb. And he's like, I got money. Who wants to get lunch? Huh? You want to go to Dairy Queen barbecue sandwich and banana splits? Yeah.
0: And honestly, like this is just, this isn't important, but for whatever reason, It's always like this is not my first time reading this book, but the way Hinton describes this Dairy Queen, I've never wanted Dairy Queen more Mm. like I just her way of (laughs) describing this place is like it makes it sound like the best fast food restaurant available. And it's definitely not.
1: Yeah, these guys have been eating room temperature bologna chocolate bars and cigs for five days. Like i bet a hot meal is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dally's, you know, being even nicer to them when he's like, you know, pony boy, sorry you had to cut your hair, but you're a you're a real natural at this um, evading the cops thing, because that's exactly what I would have done further, like gassing them up the line of criminals. And that's. In the way he's saying that, he's being nice about it, but Ponyboy's been musing this whole chapter about kind of how fucked it is that now he is just, you know, gonna live a life of a criminal completely on the run. Cause if he goes back, either he'll be accessory to murder or thrown in jail for murder and Johnny will be killed. We get the electric chair and Dally's kind of giving him the update about what they've missed. And he says that the greases and Soches are now at total war with each other. Like ever since Johnny killed that kid who turns out to be, Super popular and like kind of like a like a general leader of the socias greasers and socias have been jumping each other left and right. And it's gotten to the point where Tim Shepard, Dally and like a bunch of and like to and a bunch of greaser leaders or like influential greasers had to have a war council with a bunch of socias to hash out the rules for, like, one final rumble that will decide who controls the town. And if the Sochas win, they get to keep coming into Greaser territory, then, like, you know, harassing kids, like, nothing changed. But if Greasers win, the Sochas stay out of the east side for good. And I remember reading that and just being like, these kids are fucking, like, 15, dude.
0: It's so Lord of the Flies-like in the the sense that that this is... It feels so much like a game to me. Obviously, there are crazy real stakes here. Mm -hmm. People have died. But as we saw in Lord of the Flies, it's just these are boys playing war. And especially if you're a soci doing this, considering the fact that economically you're fine. You don't have to be going to the east side and raiding these poor kids who literally don't have any means of getting out of there. Like, you're just being an asshole. and so. Like you're, you're just playing a game and it's fucking awful, but I would love to be on a fly, a fly on that, the wall of that war council, just because of the way that they talk in this book, it would sound hilarious. Like the way that they all use the word like tough and do you dig it? I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) this is just so,
1: so annoying. I hate to bring it to you, Paul. You can do that after we record. It's called a West Side Story. Uh, it's a little ditty uh, <laughs> by Sondheim, pretty famous. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I, I think I think it'd be right up your alley if you're interested in that.
0: I yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Would you Would you say it was called uh, East Side Story? Oh, East Side Story. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, less class stuff, more race stuff. More Romeo and Juliet over hands on that one, but that's a different story. We're back to we're back to our story. Back in the Outsiders world, there's another crazy update from Dally, and that is that they have a spy that confirms information about the Sochas, and it's fucking Cherry Valance the Soch that they were meeting with. It turns out, she's Bob, the guy that Johnny killed girlfriend.
0: Right. And I love how Dally talks about her because obviously Ponyboy knows what Cherry said about him, saying that she would fall in love with Dally if she didn't stay away from him. And the way Dally talks about her so indignantly is hilarious because (laughs) without knowing how Cherry could potentially feel about him eventually, he's like, yeah, Cherry, and the actual quote is, Cherry, what's her name? (laughs) is spying for us on the inside of the soap camp. So like, dude,
1: Dally, wake up, bro. Dally is just like Ponyboy references. He's just too salty to feel anything. I mean, salty, in the fact Like, the world has salted him. The guy's got like, in his words, a rap sheet a mile long at 18, famous for going to prison for the boys when he didn't do it. But if he's there, he'll take the fall and not say anything and not even like try to plead not guilty at the case. Just an absolute psychomaniac outlaw. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, and like asking him to understand the nuance of like a girl who's like, you know, I could fall in love with you, but I just can't because of the way society separates us. And he's just like, I like fights and drag races.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's got, he ain't got time for that?
1: No, uh, but that's where the chapter ends. Also note that uh, Dally uh, has a gun now. Um, he doesn't keep any bullets in it. Um, it's mostly just for bluffing Sochis because the uh, jumpings have gotten so frequent that he just likes to flash, that he has a gun in his waist, and it keeps him from getting harassed.
0: Right, and that gets us right into chapter six, where we continue on, and Dally blames Cherry for everything that's happened. He's like, you know, if we hadn't seen those two Soch girls that night, none of this would, ha- would have happened. So it's clearly Cherry's fault. But despite that, she's offering to testify against the Soches for what happened at the park when Johnny killed Bob. So that's good at least. Johnny is saying that Like they get kind of the end of their time at Dairy Queen and Johnny in getting into the car is like, I need to go back and turn myself in. And Dally doesn't love this, partially because Dally has been to jail and he knows all of the terrible things that happen there. And as someone who went there when he was 10 years old and clearly come out of all of those experiences, being the hardest meanest greaser, Ponyboy recognizes like Dally knows what he's talking about and this is the first time that he's shown like real concern for Johnny and like don't go back because i'm seriously concerned for your safety having known the experience personally. At this point there's also this really really just heartbreaking moment where Johnny asks Dally if his family is worried about him and it is just, it's gut wrenching because they aren't like, they're not worried about him. It just further kind of like solidifies this thing that the only people that care about Johnny are the greasers themselves. Like his family is this gang, but it's just, it's heartbreaking.
1: It's, it it is awful, but it's so funny because Dally has the exact same instinct that pony boy has when, you know, it's after uh, or it's before they um, get jumped by the socials and Johnny kills a guy, but they're stargazing. And when Johnny says, I wish I had a family that loved me, instead of kind of embracing those feelings or at least trying to talk about it and saying, like, like, what would it be like if your parents like loved you? Or what could they do different instead of just trying to go down that rabbit hole? Ponyboy said. You got a family that loves you, like me and all the guys. We're your family. And he's like, No, it's not what I mean. And when he says that, like, hey, did my did my parents ask about me? Are they worried about me? Like, is my family worried about me? Dally just blows over that just like Pony Boy did, and just is like, shoot, dude, what are you talking about? Like, all the boys care about you and hope you're safe and hope you don't get picked up by the cops. Like they all know that Johnny's situation is so terrible. And it's almost that like it's so obvious that his parents don't give a fuck about him that it's almost not even worth mentioning. And Even Dally, the most unfeeling, supposedly, of all the greasers, is so in tune with Johnny's situation that he knows to glance over that and be like, dude, why are you asking that question? The boys are the ones who are going to take care of you and care about you.
0: Yeah, but I mean, what you said initially is that like that glancing over is obviously something that you don't want to do because they're not recognizing that kind of that that deeper hurt that he has and that lack that can't really be filled entirely, even if you're part of a gang that loves you. It's not the same. So dismissing his parents and telling him that he shouldn't worry about that, like it's obviously not the best approach to this. But again, we're talking about teenagers and what the fuck do they know about any type of kind of like psychological damage in any of them?
1: Teenagers and extremely emotionally damaged teenagers like when we were talking about lord of the flies the worst thing that those kids had supposedly ever dealt with is what they were currently dealing with which was its own set of problems but when they had to make decisions the eldest of the kids were probably no older than 13 and there was at least a little bit of a gradient of how old they were these kids not only are the ages pretty sporadic all of them have dealt with varying degrees of extreme levels of trauma, either brought on by society or at the individual level or at the family level, and their ability to process emotions just because of their circumstances are so stunted that, you know, it's not surprising that they skip over that, you know, Ponyboy alludes to multiple times feeling insecure or feeling scared or, you know, letting your mind wander down like kind of like a dark fantasy where you're like, what happens if this, what happens if that? And being like, you can't think like that. You can't feel those feelings. Like, And then you got to shut it off, otherwise you'll explode. I know he says that a couple of times in these chapter stretches, and that's just kind of how they are like, able to survive on the street so long. Yeah, super interesting stuff. What's more interesting, too, is that you know, while they're having this conversation, and Dally really doesn't want Johnny to turn himself in, because like you said, no one knows what it's like on the inside of prison more than Dally for them. Johnny gives them the other side, like, so am I going to live in that church forever?
0: And that problem What's- is solved really quickly because they're in the car and they're driving back <laughs> to the church. And when they get there, they find that it's there's a bunch of people outside and it's like a school field trip. So a few adults and then mostly kids. And they're all looking at a very on fire church. <laughs> and Pony's first thought is, Holy fuck, one of our cigarettes that we probably threw on the floor lit this thing up, and this is our fault. So to make matters worse, then, they're hearing yells and screams from inside the church. And credit to Pony and Johnny, because they immediately race ...up to the church, even though this teacher named Jerry outside is like, don't fucking go anywhere near that. They go past this guy. They bust through a window. They're in the church. It's all smoky. They're like coughing on fumes, hot as fuck in there, obviously. And they find their way to the back of the church where they see a bunch of kids huddled in a corner. And they start taking these kids. They bust out another window and start tossing them out of the church to save them from this fire. It's funny because one of the kids that Pony Ponyboy picks up actually bites him <laughs> as he's doing it. Like, dude, be a part of your own rescue. Like, figure it out, but it, whatever. It's There's an interesting note here that Johnny actually looks like the most confident and self-assured and, like, fearless as he ever has in this moment. Like, as he's helping these kids, he loses that kind of look of as Ponyboy describes it, like that lost puppy vibe and is like so sure of himself that he's passing these kids out of this church. So they get down to this last kid. Dally's over at the window screaming at Pony and Johnny to get the fuck out of there. They get the last kid out. Pony makes it out of the window and turns around to hear Johnny scream, but then passes out because Dally slaps him on the back super hard. And I assume it just like hits his head or something and knocks him out, whatever it is. Ponyboy wakes up and he's in an ambulance and he's laying next to Jerry, this school teacher that they ran past to get into the church. And he's like, you're a hero. Like, do you realize what you just did? You probably just saved like 10 kids. Like, that's insane. What were you guys thinking? And Ponyboy's like, yeah, that's funny because yesterday I was a murderer. (laughs) Like... Yesterday we were on the run for murder and he's saying this to Jerry, who's obviously like, okay, well, this is probably going to help you out. Like this will help your case. And Pony asks about Johnny Here is like, how is Johnny? How's Dally? What's going on? And Jerry tells him Johnny probably has a broken back because when he was trying to get out of the church, a beam from the roof fell down on top of him and Dally has some burns because he went in to drag Johnny out of the church. So he's got some, uh, some burns on his arm. Pony also has some minor burns, but he's mostly fine. The story then cuts to the hospital where Dally is going in on a stretcher into his room and he's cussing Pony Boy out the entire time. <laughs> he's just like, what vintage Dally. <laughs> he's like, dude, what the fuck were you thinking going into that fire? You fucking asshole. <laughs> and, and Johnny, importantly, is unconscious here. So we don't hear anything from him right away, but he does not look like he's in good, good shape. He doesn't have any burns on his face or anything. So that at least is okay. Sitting outside in the waiting room, Pony Boy tells Jerry the whole story, the entire story, starting at like the night at the movie theater all the way up until current day. And again, Jerry's just kind of like, wow, that is a crazy story. Well, if you are wanted for murder, this will. Again, this will probably help your case that you just saved 10 kids.
1: Yeah, so grease the wheels. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then one of my favorite things happens. Dairy and Sh- Soda Pop show up. And so we get this really nice reunion with Soda Pop and Ponyboy, where, of course, Soda's just a total sweetheart. They hug. Dairy is standing kind of off to the side a little bit, and he is on the verge of tears. Which is really crazy because this dude is a fucking rock. Like, he didn't even cry at his mom and dad's funeral. Like, he's been this rock for Soda Pop and Pony Boy the entire time. And Pony Boy sees him, and Dairy's on the verge of tears. And they just kind of like, all at once, Pony Boy realizes all of these things that everyone's been telling him about how much Dairy loves him. And how he didn't understand it that whole time and the chapter ends with this just embrace between dairy and pony boy and it's like it's just the sweetest thing you've ever read
1: yeah that was a really good succinct rundown of what happened and what's crazy about it is you know the whole time i think for throughout this book pony boy's been really challenged with how he's able to perceive People's like just get just like other people's actions right. Mm-hmm. Like being a greaser is really hard to trust people and whether or not they like how they're going to treat you. And that doesn't even like stop at his own family. Like he's very questioning of whether or not like Derry's actions are proper. Like does he love me? He's always hollering at me. And this extends all the way out to um, when he's in the ambulance with Jerry, and Jerry's like, "You're an angel sent from heaven to save these kids." And when Ponyboy asks, like, "Where are we going?" he asks, "Are you taking me to the police station?" and Jerry's like, "Are you out of your fucking mind? We're taking you to the hospital. You just got out of a burning building. Yeah, like you got like, do you think you're Superman? What what's going on here?" And so just like his inability to grasp like how people perceive their actions is like also influenced like why they ran in the first place. They never even thought of the fact that maybe like self defense could be even a like, considered an option. Um, When they're finding out that Cherry Valance is gonna like testify her friends and dead boyfriend to say that they were attacked and they acted in self defense, and he's like, oh yeah, I guess that is what happened. And it's just it's just so crazy that it finally ends with this super emotional culmination with uh, Dairy Soda Pop and Pony Boy at the hospital just hugging it out, and it's really emotional and it's really sad. But like you said, Johnny being super poised in the church. It really, when I was reading it, it brought me back to the night of the murder, just how in a moment of crisis, Johnny has super shocking levels of clarity. And like present mindedness. Like he was obviously spooked because he's like, I killed him, I killed that guy. But the second that pony boy starts freaking out, he's the one who's like, hey, we need to get together and get out of here, like showing an insane level of confidence in a really scary situation. And it just sucks that he got hit with that beam because you're like, what kind of guy could he be if that's how he responds in like the very worst scenario?
0: Yeah. And I I just think on a, I agree with everything you just said. And I think we can we can also just expand on that. A little bit. Chapter six and chapter seven, I feel are so important in establishing Johnny and Pony Boy in their characters as being those fictional kind of um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Otherworldly heroes that they were discussing from the book that they were reading, like Gone with the Wind, where they are in really shitty situations, but like they're not like the rest of the greasers. They have this sensitive side and they are so courageous. And like you said, just have this great intuition and just ability to do the right thing all the time. That makes great fictional
1: heroes. Right. And You know, the chapter really ends on this emotional high and that continues into the next chapter, but it really comes on the back of all this bad news. And I think we should just let that play out. Let's do it. So chapter seven starts Pony Boy is still in the hospital, hasn't been released yet, and he's kind of being hassled by the press and police about what happened. You know, they obviously hear about the uh, fire. And saving all those kids, but it doesn't take long for them to connect one and one and realize that these are the kids that are wanted for the murder of that teenager in the park over in the city that they're from. Uh, but that's not a big deal because soda pop is so handsome and charming, he's able to distract the press and like gets away with almost trying to like steal a cop's gun. (laughs) (laughs) And like when he gets caught, like flashes a smile that's so goofy that like the cop smiles. It's like, dude, what kind of absolute charmer is this dude? That he can just do all this with impunity. Uh, I mean, what's
0: the the cop going to do? He doesn't have his gun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that idiot. (laughs) Uh, But the doctor kind of gives a lowdown on Dally and uh, Johnny. Dally, uh, like Paul said, got burns all up the arm that he used to drag Johnny out of the Church. He has to stay in the hospital for a couple days, but it's nothing serious. He'll have full use of his arm, just some scars. Um, but that just kind of comes with the territory of burns. And uh, just Johnny Dally's life in general, right? Like, oh yeah, like-
0: <laughs> I mean, the dude is gonna be covered in scars from fighting his friends and being in jail and being in house fires for his whole life. Dally
1: is still recovering from getting some ribs slipped by a dude. He like. I punched out the tires on. And so he's still recovering from that while doing this. So like we injuries to Dally are just part of the game. Yep. It's it's not really that big of a deal. Johnny, on the other hand, uh, was really, really messed up. The beam broke his back. Um, he has third degree burns all over his back and legs, but they actually don't have to do a ton of pain management because Johnny's completely paralyzed below the waist. He will never walk again. And, you know, they're just trying to keep him alive at this point.
0: Yeah, critical condition for Johnny right now. And um, yeah, we we keep it moving as Derry basically is like, we can't do anything for these guys right now where we are. Like, we need to get home. So they go, go home and Derry, having pulled a signature dad move in our last episode of reading angrily at night under the reading lamp, pulls yet another signature dad move out of his back pocket and carries Ponyboy from the car to the house. Like, what? what is he going to do next? Like, mow the lawn in some shitty air monarchs? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, that's on deck. That's on deck. Another one would be absolutely zoning in on the grill. And just having a full monopoly on what gets placed, who gets time, where, telling people where the cold spots are, how to avoid them.
0: Holding the spatula with like a vice grip as if to say, don't even fucking think about taking over this grill.
1: Yeah, he like takes out the tongs from the kitchen, gives them a good clink or two to make (laughs) sure they still work before turning over some hot dogs or brats.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But that night, Derry lays Ponyboy down to go to bed. He falls asleep instantly with like all of his clothes and shoes and stuff on. He wakes up the next morning. He's the first one. up. Derry and uh, Soda Pop are still sleeping. So it's his job to make breakfast. That's kind of a house rule for them. And as he's doing this, Steve and Two-Bit come in the door. And he makes a point of saying that they never lock their doors. So people are just coming in and out of houses all the time in their neighborhood. And those two guys, Steven 2 show Ponyboy the story in the paper that day. And it lays out the heroics of Johnny Ponyboy and hilariously Dally. And that's funny because like everybody is just laughing about the fact that Dally's photos in the paper and it doesn't have like a wanted caption underneath it.
1: Yeah, he, it has to, it doesn't have like a wanted dead or alive yeah. advertisement on it. <laughs> yeah, but the
0: story goes on to say that there has, in fact, been testimony from Cherry and one of the other socia's confirming that the killing of Bob by Johnny was in self-defense. So what that means is that Johnny is at worst just going to get a charge for manslaughter. What that doesn't mean, though, is that what we talked about last week with the danger of Ponyboy or Soda Pop getting in any trouble could mean that the state comes and takes them away and puts them into a boy's home. And that is still very much on the table here because Ponyboy was part of some really bad shit, ran away. And that's a pretty huge indictment on like on dairy, being to be completely honest, and like the control yeah. he has in that house. So, this has special significance to Pony Boy for a couple reasons. One, he's like, I really don't want to go to a boy's home now after finally having a breakthrough with dairy. And also, They can't come and get me because we're fighting the Socs tonight. Like, we're having a rumble tonight, and I need to be here for that. There's this weird part here where they talk about Ponyboy's nightmares and how he legit had some, like, night terrors after his parents died, where Derry is just, like, super concerned about this. He ends up taking Ponyboy, uh, you know, in the past, to a doctor to like talk about like okay what do we do here? Ponyboy doesn't know what this nightmare is. He's just up screaming at night, and I just thought it was funny because one of the things that the doctor said is just like oh put him in football, he'll be fine. It's like at that time the cure for nightmares was just CTE. Bang just your up
1: classic nineteen sixties psychiatry in action. If it isn't just like you know. How far away are we from, like, lobotomies? I'm not, like, a medical historian, but, like, that's pretty recent. Yeah, for sure. In this time period. Yeah. Like, you had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Absolutely
0: not. So, I don't know that that was important, but I just found it so weird that, like, I had to include it. Anyway, I digress. We also learn at the end of this chapter that Soda Pop and Sandy, his girlfriend, broke up because Sandy's parents were, like, you're not marrying that 16-year-old who dropped out of high school and works at a garage, so we're moving with you to Florida. Sorry. See you later. So Soda's obviously really beat up about this. Everybody at this point leaves for work except Pony and 2-Bit, and 2-Bit, of course, just doesn't have a job because he steals everything he could ever want.
1: Well, reminder, he can't have a job because he's still an 18-year-old junior in high school.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So... Ponyboy and 2-Bit are just kind of walking along, and once again, there's a Mustang that's trailing them. And 2-Bit and Ponyboy kind of like stance up, pull out some cigs, try to act tough as fuck, and the encounter kind of goes in an unexpected direction. Randy, one of these sochas, the guy driving the car, Asks Ponyboy to come sit with him in his Mustang. And here we have this conversation where Randy's like, I am so sick and tired of this fighting. I lost one of my best friends the other night. Like one of my best friends was killed the other night. I don't want any more part of this. So I am not going to be in this rumble. And, like, people are going to hate me for doing it. I'm going to get called, like, a pussy and shit, probably. But, like, I just can't do it anymore. And there's, again, this realization, this kind of bridging from Greaser to Soch, where Ponyboy kind of recognizes or sees in Randy, we are kind of the same in a lot of ways. And, like, I don't know if I have any reason to hate you outside of the fact that like you have everything. I have nothing. And for whatever reason you chase me around and beat the
1: shit out of me. Yeah. That's kind of what uh, Randy makes. He's like, what, what are we actually going to accomplish? You know, we set like stakes and everything, but the, the long and short of it is we'll still be so. You'll still be grease. We'll still have all the breaks. You'll still be the lowest rung of society. What's really going to change. Why the hell are we beating each other up? And You know, Ponyboy is a very empathetic character and he can tell that Randy really wants to cry Mm -hmm. and he just can't let and he but he's not letting himself do it. And that cuts back to what Cherry was saying about how they're never allowed to show emotion. and They have to have this tip of upper lip as socials like he can't even cry about his best friend being killed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's awful. And this last chapter ends with, quote, socials were just guys after all. Things were rough all over, but it was better that way. That way you could tell the other guy was human too. And that's how the chapter ends. And it's just this very kind of, I don't know, just, it, it just takes you out of the story entirely because the entire time you're just kind of like, fuck these socias, don't want anything to do with them. And now Hinton is trying to get me to like feel for them. And it, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough.
1: It is tough because you're like, yeah, Randy, you're 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 telling some truth right now. And it's a big it takes a big man to not take part in the rumble, knowing you'll be like pretty much ostracized from a lot of your other friends for not showing up like that's That is big of you. Why did it take your friend dying to not want to go into the poor part of town and beat up children? (laughs) It's a valid question.
0: I I don't know. I, I mean, the thing is, like that's a pretty big leap from anything else that could have happened. Right. Yes. Like anything, anything other than murder, like, is that going to stop anything? I don't know. So like going zero to a hundred real quick and killing somebody that seems like there's just not a lot of middle ground in there to work with, but.
1: Oh no. And it's not like they ever thought like that, that could happen. Right. These kids were operating without any sense of consequence. Uh, Randy mentions that Bob, was the most privileged of all the socias. His parents were rich, literally let him do whatever he wanted, never told him no once, and he would push those limits. He was begging them to tell him no, and he like came home once super drunk, defiant, just ready to do it, and his parents were like, we've failed you, son. How could we have let this happen? They never let him take responsibility for his actions ever. So, how could he even think that what he was doing could be bad when, like, you've never had limits on yourself? And, I, and I, I really think that that's kind of what SC Hinton is trying to get at when they said that, like, things were like, imagine basically living the lawless life of Dally, but with all the money and cars and ability to get away with it. Like, what kind of person would that be? A lot of Dally's choices are made of, like, I am going to do this, and there's a good chance I get in trouble. And so a lot of my choices are predicated on the fact that I could go to jail and I don't want to go to jail, but I will if I have to. And I, and going to jail is a part of life. And sometimes when you slash a buddy's tires, they're going to see you do it and you get your fucking ribs broken. And that's the way of the world It's kind of like a like a, a cause and effect way of viewing things. And Bob was running around like, hey, I keep trying to get in trouble and I just can't.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the word you used last week was just like beating up poor people with impunity impunity yeah so uh yeah i mean that's basically what he's doing he's just a spoiled kid testing his limits went too far one day and paid the ultimate price for it
1: but yeah that's where the chapter ends once they're kind of done two-bit and um pony boy go visit johnny um that's how they spend the rest of their day uh, when they go and see him in the hospital, they're able to convince the nurse to let him in. And it's pretty spooky when the doctor is like, yeah, I'll let him in. What's the worst it's going to do now? Like, hey, doc, have some have some bedside manner. Medical professionals in the 60s, I'm begging you guys. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. But they go there. It's clear Johnny's in some serious pain. He can barely even talk in complete sentences. He has to bit to go get him a new copy of Gone with the Wind so they could redo him while he's in the hospital basically the rest of this segment is really sad it's pretty much johnny coming to terms with how serious everything is he knows he's not going to be able to walk again he brings up how in the past he considered suicide and now dying is the last thing he wants to do now he's been so close to it it's 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 a really really tough stretch of pages
0: yeah it's it's brutal i mean that the thing that you just mentioned that last thing about him contemplating death it really pulls things into perspective for even you as the reader when you're kind of like, Oh yeah. Another reminder that this kid is in fact 16 years old, never going to walk again. But that was, that was the thing to me that was almost more, um, admirable about Johnny because he understands he'll never walk again. And despite that fact, he's like, fuck it. Life is too There's too much to live for. Even though I've been seriously burned, I'm never going to walk again. Being that close to death, like I don't want to die now. Like this shit isn't over for me. Right.
1: And so the nurse then comes in and tells Johnny that his mom is here. He turns her away because he says that she'll be awful and she'll just holler at me about all the trouble she's caused her. And as the reader, you're like, wow, Johnny, that's, that's pretty harsh. Um, And then he passes out and as pony boy and two bit leave. They pass his mom in the hallway bitching to the nurse about how, what a huge pain in the ass Johnny is and how much trouble he's caused him. And you're like, yeah, like we even hearing all book about how Johnny's parents suck. They're the worst parents on earth and all they do are abuse or neglect him. And this, this woman's son is dying after saving children and she's just complaining about him like to anyone who will hear.
0: And you know what's terrible about this, too? She probably only knows he's there because she saw him in the paper. Right. Because, like, why else would she be there now? You know, she didn't rush there when he got there. He's been there for a whole fucking day. It was only after that this newspaper article came out where it's just dressing him as this hero that she even gave a fuck. And that isn't right. explicitly said, but that's just kind of what I'm thinking just in terms of like the sequence of events here.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me, considering like we only find out about the newspaper article this morning as well. Yeah. Yep. And it's been five days since he's gone, like five to seven days since he's actually left town. It's it's bad. It's really sad. And it, it basically takes everything two bit has not to like completely curse out this middle aged woman in the middle of the hospital. Next, they go to talk to Dally, and uh, Dally is uh, quote ornery as usual, which is just classic. They got they basically have him like like chained to the hospital bed because he's just such a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just like they won't let me smoke cigs in here. It's like, dude, you are in a hospital right now. He's just Jonesen, and you know they. He asks them how Johnny's doing, and they kind of they don't say he's. Dying, but the way they kind of dance around the question lets Dally know that you know it, it's 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 pretty bad. And Dally muses about how he's mad that he won't be there for the um for the rumble. But when he finds out about how bad Johnny's doing, he's like, big give me your knife." Yeah, Tubit gives him the knife like this super sick, ten inch switchblade. I think it's an absolute machete, bro.
0: Yeah, you, like-, <laughs> like get an at that point
1: <laughs> like, yeah, just have a sword on you it's so guy. huge like, out of control yeah like jet black handle i bet that thing looks sweet but he just gives him the knife and he like hides it under his pillow and he's like yeah i'll see you guys later <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is going on
0: what's the plan here dally come on man
1: yeah no but then they they catch a bus ride home that's when they catch a bus ride home and they find a uh, cherry in the empty lot um on their way home She confirms, uh, you know, no weapons, no tools for the rumble. And then she has to talk to Ponyboy alone. It's pretty crazy. She comes out against Bob and really just muses about how much she hated him when he was drunk. Like, who sells liquor to boys anyway? But defends him, too. as like, you know, he could be a really sweet guy. And regardless, he shouldn't be dead right now. And then Ponyboy is really uncharacteristically mean to her.
0: Yeah, definitely lashes out in this moment. But characteristically, after he lashes out and is just like, basically, fuck you, Cherry, your boyfriend who died is the reason that one of my best friends is probably going to die. And but the characteristic part is like almost as soon as Ponyboy says it, he regrets it. And turns around and tries to like make amends and you know, says some of this like sunset bullshit where it's like, How's the sunset over on the west side? Is it is it as good as it is on the east side? And she's like, Yeah, you're all right, pony boy. And he's like,
1: Okay. Yeah, and that's where the chapter ends. Like he just basically like completely skewers. And also I will say it's mean, but nothing he says is like wrong. No. He's like, hey, yeah, your super sweet boyfriend who just happened to be a drunk asshole. He was drowning me in a fountain. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: Like, come on. The it lacked tact for sure. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is like Cherry's grieving. She's definitely conflicted about it, understandably, and is a kid and doesn't know how to deal with all of these the, you know, the multiplicity of human existence. And like, yeah, my boyfriend can be someone that I truly loved a lot of the time, was an absolute asshole a lot of the time, and I can feel really bad about him dying and also not be able to look in the eyes of the kid that killed him. So there's all of this stuff going on. She mentions that she won't go and visit Johnny because despite all of the terrible things about Bob, She like still can't look at the kid that killed him, and so it's just this really, this complicated psychology of trying to deal with an imperfect person who died that you
1: loved. Yeah, Cherry has the most nuanced opinion about what happened, just because she is in the dead center of all of it, and that's kind of how the and also the way she uh, describes Bob is a lot of uh, the characteristics that. Boy would now use to describe Dally. So this kind of, oh, I could fall in love with Dally, like Dallas, whatever his name is, uh, kind of comes more into view. Just someone who's just so out there, so wild, so uncontrollable is someone that she's attracted to. Mm-hmm. So this at least is connecting some dots for Ponyboy. Yeah. One other thing
0: I want to mention. So Ponyboy is not feeling very well right now. He's kind of running a fever. But he's very, very specific in telling Tubit not to let Derry know that he's sick because he wants to be at the Rumble. And in that conversation, Ponyboy also kind of reflects on the fact that Derry would be a Soch if it weren't for his brothers and the rest of the gang. Derry mm-hmm. kind of has this obligation to all of these boys at this point as being kind of like this paternal figure to all of them. But if it weren't for that, Derry is smart enough. He was good enough in sports that he could have gone off to school, gone to college, made a good living. And he would be as pony boy describes it. He would be a soche. So, yeah. so again, just another example of how, People that are very close to you and that you love and are, you know, greasers or socias or whatever, the line is much more gray. There's a lot more gray area between these two groups than I think a lot of these kids think. Exactly. Well said. Okay, so that is the end of chapter eight. A lot going on there sets us up nicely to wrap up the book next week with a climactic rum, uh, climactic rumble. Before we sign off, though, we've got to do a little fictional child misery index here. And Cody, do you want to kick us off on some questions about how bad it is being a greaser?
1: That's right. Reminder, uh, Paul and I will go six for six on questions reading on a scale of one to five on the misery index. One being um, not bad at all. Five being a complete burden uh, on your life and your loved ones. Uh, I'll just kind of go in order from how we view them uh, throughout our reading uh, from chapter five um, or I'm sorry, chapter six. Dally going to, having to experience the awfulness of prison at the age of 10. Got to be a t- uh, got to be a five. Got to be a five. OK, OK, good. Being so afraid of hunted down by agents of the state that after you save the lives of uh, numerous children, you're afraid of being arrested. <laughs> three, <laughs> A three. OK, that one. Yeah, that one's that one's that one's OK. Here's one that, you know, we're just being fair on all of these being such an underdog that the idea of a rags to riches, criminal to hero story gets you in the newspaper. Uh, that
0: sounds pretty sick. Uh, one, one. Okay. Right. I mean, Uh, okay. So is the question like, how much does it suck being that much of an underdog
1: or it's just, it's just a situation. It's just, does it suck? I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that it sucks so much, but like it, like, your situation is.
0: Oh, uh, OK, let me adjust it, because I'm just rethinking, remulling the question over
1: in my don't head. overthink it. There's a there's a follow up on my next one. OK, throw one. it up uh, to a two, though. Make it a two. Make it two. a two. We'll make it a two. OK, the next is being so underserviced by the state that being in the newspaper for a hero puts you at risk of losing your family. <laughs> Four. OK. Because
0: look, you're still a hero like that has its perks. That's true. You know, like you can't be you can't be a total five. Like, again, this isn't your mom and dad dying in a car crash. So like,
1: yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you, man. Okay, next one. uh, Number five is being uh, so disadvantaged in your life that the benefits to you winning an all out war against rich teenagers is that they sometimes stop bugging you.
0: Okay. Well, hold on. Say that again. Do it again.
1: So I'm talking about the war council.
0: Yeah. Okay. Go- start from the beginning. Cause I just missed a lot of it.
1: Yeah. Having your, having the situation already be so bad that winning a massive battle royale against the rich teenagers means that they'll stop harassing you on your side of town.
0: Yeah, four. Like, th- it's just a shitty situation.
1: And then uh, the last one I have is that even when you're on your deathbed, your abusive mother uh, talks about you like you're a chore.
0: <laughs> Five, dude. Th- that, okay. That'd that be yeah. the worst way to go. <laughs> like You're paralyzed from the waist down. You're dying and your mom, your mother comes in to tell you how much of a pain you are. Fuck no. Oh yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay. So here's the deal. In this section of the reading, there wasn't a ton of social stuff. I get it. Yeah. So some of these are like
1: waiting it appropriately.
0: Yeah. Some of these are very specific okay <laughs> okay so okay cody on a scale of from one to five how bad is it to be a soch when following your conscience means either skipping a fight and people calling you a pussy for the rest of your life or immediate initiation into the world of covert ops espionage and betrayal uh three okay number two Okay, how bad is it to be a Soch when trying to do the right thing and helping the so-called enemy leads to some asshole rejecting your help and calling you a traitor, despite the fact that your help is the reason that asshole isn't getting the Dally Jail Time Transformation special down at County?
1: No, yeah, that's that's a five. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> sucks that Cherry's like, yeah, I'm gonna testify against against my dead boyfriend. And then Pony Boy rolls off the bus, and he's like, "You're a pu- fucking piece of shit, Cherry." What was that?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she, fucking awful. Like,
1: I'm the reason that Johnny's not getting the chair if if he was alive. But you know,
0: okay. Number three, as a child, figuring out a way to mourn a would be murderous dead boy while also rationalizing your romantic or friendly relationship with said would-be murderous dead boy by blaming his behavior on the liquor store cashier.
1: Three. <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. That was all good up until, in, and it is in the book when she's like, it's just when he got drunk. That was the only thing wrong. Yeah. It's like
0: uh, It was a very like boys will be boys excuse, and I don't fuck with that. And also, just like, dude, how are you going to blame some guy at the liquor store for giving? Like, she made a point of being like, why do some people sell boys booze? Like, the boy had to go get it first. Yeah. I don't know. I can kind of see what she's saying, but it's it's pretty thin. It's a pretty thin excuse. Okay. Three. Great. Four, never getting the opportunity to be a hero by saving some idiot kids from a fire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, we're going to go with uh, two.
0: <laughs> okay. Five. <laughs> Having friends who are more interested in... I'm sorry. Re- I have to
1: go back to that. Reminder that uh, J- uh, Ponyboy's supposed reward for this is going to be being separated from his family. Yeah. <laughs> right. The cops are going to be like, wow, thanks for saving these lives. Welcome to the foster system. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, next one. Having friends Who are more interested in drowning kids than reading gone with the wind aloud to you. (laughs) Uh, Okay.
1: That does suck. Yeah. That's a four.
0: (laughs) Okay. Last one. Feeling the need to rumble with some kids who want to quote, get even after they just murdered your best friend.
1: (sighs) A three. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Nothing's making the Soshas roll into town and assault poor children.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's have it. What do you got for your
1: total this week? My total this week is 21.
0: Ooh, just barely edging out the Soshas. So the socias made a big jump this week. I believe last week they had a grand total of 11 points on the misery index scale. This week they are hitting a... Very respectable 20 out of a possible 30 points on the life sucks meter.
1: All it took was one kid being stabbed to death Mm -hmm. and their lives got a lot harder to quote Randy if only his dad had belted him once. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Okay, (laughs) source. He's like, "I've, I've never been belted, but I would imagine it's bad terrible johnny's just in the fucking thunderdome every night
0: oh god that poor poor boy i feel so bad for him okay so our score on the misery index uh if you're as if you're tracking is the socia's at 31 and the greasers at 48 so a healthy lead for the greasers last week was just a it was a big one (laughs) it was a big blowout yeah so next week we'll get our final score and uh, we'll, we'll uh, crown a, a winner of whose life
1: sucks more. Feel free to take some pot shots and guesses in the email. Who you think's going to be uh, whose life do you think is going to be the hardest at the end?
0: <laughs> right. OK, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I say this a lot, but it really means uh, the world to Cody and myself again next week doing the last four chapters of this book. So make sure to tune in next week. And we will see you next time. Thanks so much.